This is Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO, Licensed Insolvency Trustees. The views and opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those of this station. Your Money with Nancy Snedden of BDO on VOCM. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for tuning in today. On today's show, missed payments and financial strain continue to increase for many Canadians, and credit card debt continues to rise. That's the finding of the most recent Equifax Canada Market Pulse Consumer Trends and Insights Report. So are you among those struggling financially, and what is it doing to your credit score? Joining me now to discuss the report and share advice on how you can safeguard your credit score amid the economic uncertainty is Julie Kuzmik. She's the Senior Compliance Officer, Consumer Advocacy with Equifax Canada. Julie, thanks so much for coming back to the show. Always a pleasure, Nancy. It's, all, it's always so great to have you on. You always have such great insights for our listeners. So before we get started, though, talking about the Market Pulse uh, Insights Report, maybe you can share with your listeners, with our listeners' story, a little bit about yourself and Equifax Canada. Absolutely. Um, Equifax Canada is one of the two major credit bureaus in Canada. The other one is called TransUnion. And the role of a credit bureau is to receive and consolidate information on the credit use of consumers, meaning just anybody in Canada who's using credit. So if you have a credit card and or car loan and or line of credit, mortgage, a number of these different types of credit accounts are reported to Equifax and then that is collected on each person's credit report. And so credit reports can change on a daily basis because there's new information coming in all the time. And then a credit score can be calculated using the information on the report. So that's a quick background on Equifax itself. And my role there is on, I'm focused on consumer advocacy, which means trying to help Canadians navigate the credit system and feel more confident about their credit decisions and what the impacts might be. I also uh, work on compliance, so I talk to our regulators a lot and uh, help make sure that we're doing things uh, appropriately within the Canadian regulations. That's great. And it's super important, right? It's one thing that, you know, people depend on in so many facets of life, right? Is looking at their credit score and making sure that, you know, everything in there is accurate and, and up to date and all that good stuff. So let's turn now to, to today's focus. And I want to talk about the Market Pulse Consumer Credit Trends and Insight Report that just came out. There's certainly some concerning trends in there when it comes to debt levels of Canadians. So total consumer debt in Canada now stands at $2.4 trillion, with a T dollars, an increase of $80.9 billion from the same period just last year. So, Julie, this figure is really substantial. I mean, I think that's the largest increase I've ever seen. So can you explain what this $2.4 trillion includes and the reason behind the increase? That number would include the um, credit accounts that individuals have um, that I was just discussing. So um, that's going to be credit cards, lines of credit, um, as well as non mortgage accounts. So the mortgage accounts are often excluded from this figure uh, in order to focus on uh, some of those more day-to-day types of credit. 
Yeah, and while mortgage debt does make up the majority of consumer debt in Canada, non-mortgage debt is also on the rise. And I think that's important to note. So non-mortgage debt now stands at just over 21,000 nationally. And here in Newfoundland, it's even higher. So non-mortgage debt now sits at just under $23,000. And if you want to look at the major city comparison, so in St. John's, average non-mortgage debt is even higher at just over 23,000. So 23,375. And when you look at the varying age, demographic graphic sorry it's millennials and gen xers who are carrying the highest levels of non-mortgage debt so 18 to 25 is just under 8,000 26 to 35 just over 17,000 so quite a big increase in those two from one age group to the next 36 to 45 just over 26,000 46 to 55 just under 33,000 and 56 to 65, just under 27,000, 65 plus still carrying about $14,000 in debt. So Julie, are you seeing some trends or reasons why these demographics are taking on more debt? Yeah, and we should probably just um, make sure we're clear for the listeners that when we talk about the standard, um, the national amount being 21000 that's per person. So unfortunately, it's not that all across Canada, our total amount of debt is 21000 That would be very, very impressive. Um, yeah. so these, <laughs> these are per person figures that, uh, that you're quoting, Nancy, and... Uh, Unfortunately, one of our hypotheses is that people are needing to rely more on credit for day-to-day expenses than they have in the past. And that means that where somebody used to um, maybe put their groceries on their credit card and then pay it off every month, um, they might not be able to be paying it off every month. So that underlying balance on that credit card is growing month over month. They're paying off what they can, but this really translates to using credit in order to help fund day-to-day expenses. And, and that's where it becomes a really concerning situation because that's not sustainable. If if we as individuals or families aren't able to manage our regular expenses without having to dip into credit each month, then that is a snowball that's going to get bigger and bigger and, and ultimately most likely become a pretty big problem. No, absolutely. I think that is really important to know, Julie, right, that we are seeing a rise in credit card balances. In fact, credit card balances reached $113.4 billion in the third quarter of 2023. That's an all-time high, right? We've never seen figures that big, which explains why we saw the biggest biggest jump that I've ever seen, right, in overall debt levels uh, in Canada in, in an increase year over year. And this represents 16% increase from the same period last year. That's a, that is significant, right, in, in one year to see credit card balances going up that much. And you talked about, you know, people relying on it for day-to-day expenses, but does this increase tell us that, you know, in general, Canadians are becoming more reliant on their credit cards? And how concerning is that? Well, it certainly does look that way. And one of the things I also want to highlight is that 
this time period that we're looking at, because you and I are talking in December and this airs in December, we often think, oh, holiday spending. And of course, people are going to be spending more at this time of year. But these figures are from the third quarter of 2023. So this is not even taking into account the time period that started in um, October or November, rather. So um, these aren't holiday expenditures. These are the day-to-day um, people getting through the, the later summer, early fall period. So the fact that we're at this all-time high and the it looks like it's still going up, that is very concerning, as we were discussing earlier, that that can put someone on a path that can be really, really hard to turn around on. Oh, absolutely. And that is a really good point, because what's concerning about that is people do generally uh, spend more during the fourth quarter because of the holidays. So if we're already seeing such an increase in spending, that is makes it even more concerning going into the holidays, because we saw several polls, and we've talked about it on, on past shows in the last few weeks, that show that many Canadians, including Newfoundland and Labradorians, are planning to put the bulk of their holiday purchases and, and holiday spending on credit. So it becomes an even more concerning statistic when you compile it with those other statistics about how people are planning to pay for the holidays this year. Well, even more concerning is the rise in delinquency. So we're going to talk about that when we come back. Please stay with us. Win your Christmas cash with a VOCM Cares for the Community 50-50 draw. Buy your tickets until December 16th at VOCM.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Sneddon, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada, right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm joined today by Julie Kuznick. She's a Senior Compliance Officer, Consumer Advocacy for Equifax Canada. And we've been talking about the recent trends report that Equifax released. And in it, it shows that Canadians, including Newfoundlanders and Labradorians, are increasing their debt loads and becoming more reliant on credit card debt. But even more concerning as I mentioned uh, just before the break is that there is a rise in delinquencies as well. So the report also highlights a trend of missed payments on all types of credit products across the country. The percentage of Canadians who missed a payment on at least one product increased from one in 31 during the pandemic to one in 25 in Q3 of 2023. So over 139,000 more consumers missed a payment in Q3 compared to 12 months ago. So Julie, let's talk about that now. What can you tell us about these statistics well you won't be surprised to hear that they're concerning um, some of the um, numbers that we're seeing um, particularly in Newfoundland are really um, really increasing so um, we've got that non-mortgage uh, delinquency or late payments up by 18 percent in Newfoundland alone compared with the same time last year. And again, what a delinquency means in the credit world is that somebody is 90 days late or higher than 90 days. So three months late on a payment or more. 
And we've seen all different types of credit have increased delinquencies. So car loans, um, lines of credit that people have, we've, we've seen these uh, increases really right across the board, as well as the number of credit card users who are only making their minimum payments each month, that has even gone up by over 3% across the country. And the percentage paying their balance in full has fallen by 1.5%. So we really are seeing this right across the board that people are having trouble right now financially. It is hard to get those payments in on time. And I think it's important that you noted that 90 days, right? So when we talk about delinquencies, it's not just a missed payment, right? That's due in 30 days. We're talking about three months late on payments, which is a significant difference, right? And in, in just missing a payment and, and making it up in the next month, we're talking about 90 days go by without that payment being made. And that non-mortgage delinquency, as you said, is up 18% over the same period last year here in Newfoundland and Labrador. I think something that um, is interesting and, and, and maybe makes sense actually when you think about it, credit card delinquency rose by 15.8% in Q3 with consumers aged 36 to 55 seeing the largest rise at 20.8%. And if I look at insolvency statistics, the highest level of insolvency in the country is that same age demographic, right? 36 to 50 or 35 to 50, which, you know, it fits in that same, uh, same demographic area. And we know credit card payment behavior can be a major indicator of financial stress. And we know there's still a lot of economic uncertainty in the country right now. We also know that there are 3.4 million mortgages coming due over the next 18 months. And many of these mortgage holders may be in for a shock at renewal time. And we're already seeing that in our practice where people are coming to get help with their unsecured debt because they've renewed their mortgage and they can no longer afford the payments on the minimum payments on their unsecured debt. So variable rate mortgage holders have been feeling the sting of higher interest rates with every rate hike. So two thirds at 64% of variable rate holders say that the higher interest rates have caused their mortgage payment to hit its trigger rate and thus increased their monthly cost. Three quarters at 76% of variable rate mortgage holders say higher rates have caused financial strain on their household. Think about that, 76%, that's more than three quarters of people who've renewed are talking about financial strain. So Julie, when you take all this into account, do you expect to see delinquencies continue to rise? I wish I could say no to that question. Um, but I think you you've really nailed it in highlighting that um, that age range around between the 35 and 50, roughly that group. That is where we are seeing a lot of the impact of the variable rate mortgages, and that makes sense because. That's, that's the age group where a lot of people are in the thick of trying to pay that mortgage down. Um, and depending on where where you are in Canada, that people could be buying a first 
home at, in that age group as well. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, we we would expect, based on this trajectory, to see the delinquencies continue to rise. And that is definitely concerning. But I think, you know, given that, right, given that we're seeing um, delinquencies rise, given that we're seeing debt loads rise, I think it's important that we talk to our listeners about, you know, what are the steps that they can take to help cope financially? So what advice do you have for listeners, Julie, when it comes to managing their finances and particularly debt during these uncertain times? One of the big ones is asking for help early. There is absolutely no shame in asking for help. And that can take the form. It can be as simple as calling your bank or your credit card issuer and saying, I'm having trouble making payments. Is there anything you can do for me? First of all, the person on the other end of the phone is not going to judge you for that. In fact, the credit companies want to make their money back. And so in many cases, they want to work with you to find a way for you to be able to make make your payments. So that might mean a smaller minimum payment or depending on the type of debt we're talking about, maybe there could be a skipping of a payment without any negative penalty. Um, maybe they can help a bit with the interest that is owing on the account. So asking for help early, and I know that is so hard. It's hard to feel like you maybe can't get yourself turned around all on your own, but there are so many people in this situation. There's absolutely no no shame in, in looking for that. And so that's one option is talking to the lenders. Another one is talking to a not-for-profit credit counseling agency or a licensed insolvency trustee like yourself who can help take a look at your overall financial picture and help to guide you as to what makes the most sense for next steps in your particular situation. So just because you go and talk to one of these professionals does not mean you're obligated to use them for any services. In a lot of cases, there would be a free consultation to get an assessment of your situation. So that's another great option to just get some some ideas that are tailored to your specific situation. No, absolutely. And I think it's important uh, to point out what you what you said there about talking to a professional. So nonprofit credit counseling agencies, licensed insolvency trustees, they're really the best options, right? You're going to get a free consultation. You're going to get something that's tailored to your personal situation. Um, and really, you know, a full, fulsome discussion on all the different options that are available to you. Um, there's many... Um, for-profit agencies out there and they're called debt consultants or debt advisors and you know they they advertise quite a bit on social media and um on the internet and the federal government actually just released uh, a press release not too long ago warning consumers about using uh, these agencies as opposed to a licensed insolvency trustee that is regulated by the federal government and licensed by the federal government to help uh, consumers. So really glad that you pointed that out, Julie. So when we look at um, the number of people that are struggling and we, we know it takes people a long time sometimes to reach out for help because they, they are thinking 
thinking, well, something's going to change or, you know, things will get better. And they end up depleting resources sometimes that, that they could have saved had they reached out earlier. So what are some of the warning signs that people should look out for um, that their debt is becoming unmanageable and they really should be reaching out for help? One of the first ones is if you're seeing increasing balances on your credit accounts, particularly credit cards, if you are not able to pay it down over time and every month that balance is creeping higher and higher, you have to be honest with yourself in that situation and maybe you've got an end of year bonus that is coming up at work so you know you will be able to pay that down or you're expecting a big tax refund in the new year. There are some situations where an increasing balance is maybe not as alarming or concerning but then there are other situations where you, you're not expecting any additional money coming into the household anytime soon. So you have to ask yourself that question, well, how am I going to be able to deal with this? Because just letting it get higher and higher and then moving debt around, maybe you're paying off your credit card with a line of credit. So now it's the line of credit balance that is increasing month over month. You, you have to have that conversation with yourself saying, okay, what is the plan here? And if I'm not sure, then there are a lot of good places I can go for some ideas. No, absolutely. That's so important, you know, and, and it's an eye opener for people. Like if they're only able, well, we, we've just heard, right, that there's many people who can't afford their minimum payments, delinquencies are on the rise, but there are also many people that now cannot afford any more than the minimum payment. So they're not seeing any reduction in their debt largely, right, month after month. And, and in some cases, it is, in fact, increasing month, month after month. So if you're only paying the minimum payment, you do still need to reach out and get some advice on how to start getting that debt paid down. Down because you're you're really just paying interest every single month and not getting any relief on the overall balance. And we talked about on the show when we were talking about our holiday debt and how people were were planning on using credit to pay for debt. And in fact, if you charged $1,100 of holiday spending on your credit card and then only made the minimum payment, it would take you 11 years to pay it off and you would actually end up paying back more than $2,200. So it's an eye opener for people to, to see if you're only making your minimum payment, just how much more you're paying than the actual debt and for how long. So when we see reports like this and when we see debt at an all-time high, delinquencies on the rise, insolvencies in the double digits month after month, there's no doubt that this is impacting credit scores of millions of Canadians and for certain many Newfoundlanders and Labradorians. So we're going to talk more about credit scores when we come back. Please stay with us. Make a request anytime by calling 709-273-5211 or 1-888-590-8626 and your request just might win you a cozy VOCM winter toque. Your Merry Christmas station. Your VOCM. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money with Nancy Snedden. I am Nancy Snedden. Thanks so much for joining us today. My guest today is Julie Kuzmik. She's a Senior Compliance Officer, Consumer Advocacy with Equifax Canada. So as Canadians, including many here at home in Newfoundland and Labrador, struggle to keep up with the rising cost of living, statistics show many are turning to their credit cards to make ends meet. And the Equifax Canada Consumer Trends Report also shows that many are falling behind when it comes to bill payments. 
So, Julie, I think it's safe to say that this is having an impact on credit scores and credit reports of many people out there. So how important is it for consumers to be monitoring their credit report and credit score at this time? It is important. It's it's hard to face reality sometimes. And I understand when people say, oh, I just don't even want to look at my credit. I know it's going to be terrible. But you, you have to remember that the situation is whatever the situation is, whether you look at the numbers or not. And for a lot of people, it's maybe not quite as bad as they thought or, or were worried about. Um, anyone can look at their credit report online for free at Equifax.ca. Um, you really should look at, at your credit reports at both. So the other one is TransUnion, as I mentioned, because there could be some differences between the credit reports at the two different credit bureaus. But this is a time when you want to make sure that all the information on your credit report is accurate. So even if you are actually doing okay right now, you're feeling confident in, in being able to make ends meet, you still want to make sure that there isn't anything that has been put on your credit report in error. So that does happen on occasion, especially if there are many people with a similar name and or similar address. Um, sometimes someone else's item in collections can end up on your credit report and you want to be able to deal with that, which you can do for free. There's a process outlined on, on the website. You want to deal with that when you've got some time and you're not about to need that new car loan or renewing that mortgage and getting told at that time that there's something concerning on your credit report that you had no idea about. No, absolutely, because then that's going to prolong and potentially prevent you right from moving forward with those uh, loans and getting that new car or, or getting that new home. So let's get back to the basics now. So what is the difference between your credit score and your credit report? Good. I'm so glad that you asked that because often people use those terms interchangeably and they are actually slightly different things. So we've been talking a bit about the credit report. So that is where all of your information about your credit accounts is, is collected. So that's a list basically of the information that has been reported to Equifax about your use of credit. And I want to be clear that it's just credit we're talking about here. So it is not your whole financial picture. You won't see um, balances. You won't see anything about savings accounts, for example, or any investments you may have, RRSPs, RESPs. That information is not related to credit. It is not going to be on your credit report. So the report is the source of information. And the score, credit score, is a number between 300 and 900 that is calculated based on the information in the credit report at the time the score is calculated. And that's an important thing to know because 
the scores are only calculated when they're needed. There isn't some like database of credit scores that is is getting calculated all the time. It's only when either you are looking at it and asking for your credit score, which is another thing you can get for free on the Equifax Canada website, or whether you're applying for new credit and the credit lender has asked for your consent, your permission to access your credit information from one or both of the bureaus, that could also trigger a score being calculated. But um, scores are not just sitting there all the time as a particular number. That's great. And I, that is an important uh, distinction, right? It's because lots of times people think that their, their credit score is changing regularly, but it's actually when a request is made that the credit score is calculated. So I think that's important information for people, especially with all the different apps and stuff that are out there now. So how long does it take, Julie, to build a positive credit score and, and how do people maintain it? Well, a, a couple things I want to highlight here. Um, one is that we talk in terms of a credit score, my credit score, your credit score. We should actually be saying scores in the plural because there's more than one credit score out there. And I'm sure that anyone who has looked at an app and looked at their online banking that may also offer a credit score has seen that discrepancy of like, well, wait a minute, why are these different numbers? numbers. That is normal and expected. Um, we could have a whole show on why it is that there are multiple credit scores and how all of that stuff works. But I just want to reassure people that if you are seeing different numbers, that that is expected and a completely normal situation. There are a number of different credit scores out there. Similar to how if you go shopping and, and you're maybe looking to buy some strawberry jam, you're going to see an, a bunch of different options on the shelf in the grocery store, different brands. They're all basically the same thing. They're all strawberry jam, but they have slightly different makeup in the ingredients. That same idea with credit scores. All the same thing. They're all between 300 and 900, but maybe a slightly different makeup in the order of the ingredients. So I just wanted to throw that little uh, nugget in there before getting on to building a positive credit score. So when people first start using credit, whenever that is, if they're a newcomer to Canada or if they're um, in their late teens and starting to look at um, building their credit, that is when a credit file or credit report gets created for the individual. So when you're early in your use of credit, it first of all can be hard to calculate a score because there's not very much to go on. So it usually is three to six months of using credit before a score could even be calculated. So once you sign up for that first credit card, don't go running to a credit bureau trying to figure out what's my score now because there might not be one for several months. It takes some time for all that information to get reported to both of the credit bureaus and for it to accumulate on your credit report before there's enough to be able to calculate a score. And it depends on a number of different factors. So there isn't a starting score. Like a lot of people will ask, like, do I just start with 300? And then as I use credit, I'm going to gain a few points every month or something. And it's far more complex than that. So Often we see people starting with a reasonable score, could be high 500s, even into
into the 600s in some cases. Um, it just then takes a period of time of those consistently on-time payments in order to build that positive history. And one more important piece of information I want to mention always make the minimum payment on time if you can. It is far better from a credit score calculation perspective to make the minimum payment on time than to make the payment in full but late. Because when you signed up for that credit card or line of credit, that's one of the things that you agreed to, that I will make at least the minimum payment at on or before the date that it's due. And so you want to make sure that you're holding up your side of the bargain because that is what is going to get you to that positive credit score as, as quickly as possible. Oh, that's that's great. And and we know that that is one of the big things, right, that is used in calculating your credit score, as I said, is whether or not you're making your minimum payments and making them on time. So that's a really good point. Someone might think, well, I'm going to pay it off next week anyways, but it's going to have an impact if your minimum payment is due the week before. So thanks for pointing that out, Julie. I think something that people often look at too, so the different numbers that you mentioned, so 300 to 900 is where the the score is calculated. So I just want to run through the different categories there. So scores below 560 are considered poor. Scores below 660 are considered fair. Scores from 660 to 724 are considered good. Scores 725 to 759 are considered very good. And scores 760 and up are considered excellent. So Julie, when you look at like the different categories, because I know like I have friends and family who are asking me about credit scores all the time you know how do I get my credit score higher it's currently at 785 you know and I want to get it up over 800 what does that do for them right so if they're already over 760 which is considered excellent should they be trying to elevate uh, that score to a higher level no that is a an easy and simple <laughs> answer for once the answer is no, and I understand where the drive comes from. We all like to get the highest possible test score, and that's what this feels like. But the banks and lenders are not interpreting credit scores like a percentage or like a test score. So the important information is what you just shared, that scores about 760 and up are considered excellent. So that means if I have a score of, let's say, 780 and you have a score of 880, so congratulations, Nancy, you're, you're really doing very well there with your 880 score. Sure. <laughs> if, if you and I go and apply for the same credit card or the same car loan, from a credit score perspective alone, they don't see any difference between us, even though there are 100 points in there between you and me. But we are both in that highest category. And at that point, it is almost like a check in the box. Like, okay, good, that this applicant fits into the highest credit category, moving on to the next criteria. And it's important to remember, there is more than one criteria for almost all forms of credit. So it's not just that number. It is also other information like, are you employed? Do you have a regular income? Um, what what amount of savings do you have? And in, in some cases, often for a mortgage, 
there are so many other factors that go into the lender's decision about whether or not to lend to you that the score is just one of them. It can be an important one, so I don't want to suggest like, oh, don't worry about your score. But especially for people who are in that highest range, don't be putting in the effort. You're going to see if, if you're looking at an app or, or on the website of one of the credit bureaus, you're going to see that score is going up by a few points, down by a few points here and there. Oh, maybe it's 10 or 15 points in one direction or another. It doesn't matter in that highest range. So I, I really want to highlight that message that your energy can be much better spent somewhere else. Yeah, and that's why I asked the question because I do. I get that question all the time. So, you know, do what you can to keep your credit score good and, and certainly strive to get it to that excellent category. But once you're there, focus your energy on other things like maybe, you know, looking at how you can repay down your debt or looking at your budget, looking at your savings, your retirement. Like there's so many other things that you can focus on. So thanks for that, Julie. I really appreciate that. So if you're among those struggling financially and your credit score has been negatively impacted, Julie's going to have some advice for you when we come back on how you can rebuild that credit worthiness. Please stay with us. Ring in the new year with a special edition of the Irish Newfoundland show, 9 p.m. New Year's Eve. Welcome back. You're listening to Your Money here on VOCM. I'm your host, Nancy Snedden, Licensed Insolvency Trustee with BDO Canada right here in Newfoundland and Labrador. My guest today is Julie Kuzmik. She's a Senior Compliance Officer in Consumer Advocacy with Equifax Canada. And as economic uncertainty continues, the debt levels and delinquency rates are on the rise. Many Canadians may find their credit scores have been negatively impacted. So Julie, can you rebuild your credit score after it has been negatively impacted? And I guess what recommendations or advice do you have when it comes to rebuilding your credit profile? You absolutely can rebuild your credit profile even after declaring bankruptcy. And that's often a surprise for people because they feel like, well, if I have to declare bankruptcy, that's going to be the end of the world. And it actually isn't. Lots of people in Canada have declared bankruptcy and then gone on to rebuild into the excellent credit score category. Six years after the time of that bankruptcy being discharged, it will be removed from your Equifax credit report. So there is no longer any evidence that lenders would see that you had declared bankruptcy at some point. So that is true of all negative information. There are some very protective laws in place to protect consumers from having a bad situation or some bad decisions earlier on in life follow people around for the rest of their financial lives. So if it's missed payments, if it's items in collection, all of those things do get removed from credit reports, typically a maximum of six years from the time that they occur. So that's a really important uh, piece of information for people to know. No, absolutely. So, and we, we, we do hear that all the time too. Like it took me so long to reach out to you because I was worried about the impact on my credit score that I'd never be able to get credit again. And of course we, we give them the same advice, Julie, right? That it's absolutely possible to rebuild your credit. It's not, you know, a life sentence by no means. And in fact, when it comes to consumer proposals, many people qualify for credit while they're going through the proposal, right? We have many clients that, you know, refinance their mortgages, they apply for and get new 
vehicles during their proposal. So it's important that you get the right uh, information and don't hold back making the right decision about how to get help on your finances because you're worried about that. So if you're among the many who have been impacted by rising costs and struggling to keep up, you are encouraged to pay closer attention to your credit score. Even if you haven't been impacted, you should review the credit score and your credit report at least once a year. So Julie, we talked a little bit about looking at your credit report earlier, but why is this so important? Well, I mentioned the possibility that there can be errors that uh, that occur. So that's often in a case where there's a similar name or address. Um, someone else's information could land on your credit report. Um, but there are also other situations where um, one of the big ones to be aware of is that Looking at your own credit report is often one of the first ways that people become aware that somebody has stolen their identity. And what that can look like is um, if someone gets enough of your information, and maybe that's just because you forgot your wallet or purse in the grocery cart the last time that you were in the store, if someone gets that information, they might be able to convince a bank or lender that they are in fact you and that they want uh, to sign up for a new, let's say a new credit card. But while they're having that communication, they might be able to also convince the lender that actually my address has changed. So um, please send the new card to such and such, my new address. And the banks do have some excellent uh, fraud techniques that they use to try to identify and stop these things from happening. But if it does make it through, what can happen is that credit card gets issued in your name, it gets mailed to someone else, and they're using it. You have no idea that this thing exists. And one of the scams that we see that is unfortunately relatively common in this scenario is that someone will use that card and actually pay it off month to month. And then they'll go back to the card issuer and say, could I please increase my credit limit? And so they're establishing a, a reputation. And it's almost like they're grooming the card to be able to get it to the highest possible credit limit. So maybe they get it up to a limit of, say, $10,000. So then they put a major purchase on there, $10,000, or maybe they manage to squeak it even higher, and then they disappear. And often... It's once that account lands in collections, that is the first time that somebody finds out that this account has actually existed for a few years in your name, and it, there is a pretty big balance that is owed. So you can save yourself all of that potential awful headache by keeping an eye on your credit report, which again, you can do for free. If you wanted to um, need a little more peace of mind, maybe you already are uh, have been unfortunately a victim of some type of fraud, then there are paid products where you can keep an eye on your credit report and get automated emails when there are certain changes to it so that you get that extra peace of mind. But even for free, you can look at your credit report once a month at, on the Equifax website and see that all the accounts that exist on that report are accounts that are familiar to you. 
Yeah, and I think it's important to know too, Julie, that you know, going into Equifax, looking at your credit report, requesting that information once a month does not have any impact on your credit worthiness, your credit score. Um, you asking for your own information has no impact because often people think, well, if I keep asking for my credit report, it's going to have an impact, but it doesn't at all. But it is so so important. We know fraud is on the rise. We know that these scams are on the rise. We've had several clients on unfortunately come to see us to deal with debt because they've been victims of, uh, of fraud. So it's so, so important that you're keeping an eye on that and, and making sure you're reaching out to Equifax to correct any inaccuracies in your credit file. Well, Julie, as always, it's been so great having you on the show today. You always have such great information for our listeners, but we do have some time now for some final thoughts. So if you could leave our listeners with a final thought, final piece of advice today, what would it be? Well, it's going to be a bit of a repeat from previous shows because this is one of the most important things I think to convey, and that is that credit scores are not character or moral judgments on people. Bad credit can happen to good people. We all have bumps in the road, and it is not a sign of weakness or that you are a bad person. If you are in a situation where you need to ask for help, even if you need to uh, go into a consumer proposal or declare bankruptcy, as you and I have discussed in the past and today, that is not the end of the world. People go on to have great credit uh, rebuilding after a bankruptcy. So um, please do not be afraid of asking for help and don't wait to ask for help because you're worried about your credit score maybe being damaged as a result. If you're having trouble paying your bills and you are doing so late, your credit score already is being impacted. So the sooner you face that situation, the sooner you're going to be on that road to getting a better night's sleep again and being able to get back to that great credit score. No, absolutely. We know all the surveys and stuff that are coming out are showing significant, like anywhere from 65 to 78, right, I've seen uh, in different surveys of people that are struggling right now. So you're certainly not alone. The important thing is to reach out and get the help um, to make your situation better, right? Financial stress can lead to many other issues that can lead to, you know, physical um health conditions, relationship breakdown. It can take your attention away from your work, which could have repercussions, right? Having the conversation costs nothing and it can provide uh, so much uh, relief uh, to the stress and anxiety that you're feeling about your finances. So Julie, again, thanks for coming on the show. If people wanted to reach out, they wanted to get more information on their credit score, get a copy of their credit report, how do they do this? The Equifax website is eqifax.ca, and that is a great place to start for education. There's lots of articles there on how all this stuff works, and then you can also follow the links to get to uh, see your own credit report and score for free. 
That's great. Thanks again. And of course, I always want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in. And remember, I do want to hear from you. So if you have a comment or question or a topic that you'd like me to discuss here on Your Money, you can email me at yourmoney@video.ca or give me a call at 800-563-8337. Until next week, I'm Nancy Sneddon. Stay safe and be well, everyone. If you have a question or comment, send an email to yourmoney@video.ca. This has been Your Money with Nancy Sneddon of BDO. License Insolvency Trustees on your VOCM.